0: I want to talk a bit about the nature of change. We talk a lot about that here. I feel like I I end up talking a lot about it in my talks. It's such a fundamental aspect of um, understanding the Dharma, just understanding what it means to be alive, of being a human being, that we are constantly, um, coming in contact with this truth that everything changes. Everything changes. Everything's in flux constantly. It's happening when we notice and it happens when we don't notice. I mentioned that Right now, uh, my family is going through um, a big change because we're moving. Um, we're here. <laughs> we're not moving away. Um, but we've been, a lot of you know, we've been living on a sailboat for a long time. And, um, and we went sailing on that sailboat and came back. And, um, and it's been our home for, I think, six years now little bitty sailboat and so we just moved off the sailboat this month into a house which I love (laughs) I do love it it feels really good it feels grounded Um, my three-year-old can run in every direction (laughs) and I don't have to worry about water Um, but it's a huge change it's a big shift for us but it's a positive one But it's a change all the same. So even it being a happy change for us, still that comes with a feeling of, uh, some, some kind of instability. That change when the way we easily perceive it is, it's unstable in some way. You know, we, uh, sometimes the phrase is often, you know, I have to find my ground again or, um, find my feet again, and that instability. Um, so that's with happy change. You know, we, we fall in love. You know, we start new relationships or a new job we really wanted. And we're excited about it, but it's a lot to adjust to. We have to attune now to a new um, way of of being, a new way that our days go, a new way of um, uh, interacting Uh, learning new things, it's a lot. It's exhausting. It can be really tiring. Our brain is working overtime to make those adjustments. Our body is working overtime to make those adjustments. So again, these are the the welcome changes, right? And then there's the unwelcome changes, the major shifts in our life that happen that we don't want. Uh, We weren't necessarily expecting them and, uh, how sometimes those changes just, it's like getting the rug pulled out from under us. We're falling and we don't, we just don't know where ground is because it's so, um, unsettled. And that can be many, many different things that, you know, the last few weeks, um, or a few weeks ago, with the fires this was going through my head. Just the intensity of that. And I, I imagine some of you were deeply affected by the fires. Maybe you knew people who had to evacuate. Maybe you know people who have lost their homes. Maybe it's brought memories of last year and the year before that, the fires that happened and loss of life, loss of property. Um and even if you weren't touched in those ways, I think all of us have been affected here with this acknowledgement of the new normal, this new change, climate change. Um, our state is a tinderbox for a certain portion of the year. And that's very unsettling. It's one thing when it happens now and then, but then when you start to see, oh, this is the new normal. And that phrase was used a lot two weeks ago, the new normal fire season and just what that all means so that kind of change even even if uh you didn't lose your power and you didn't have to evacuate and you don't know someone who was affected directly from the fires even then we feel that change this massive change happening statewide and just what that does to our system what that feels like it's so unsettling. Um, easily, we go into a mode of not wanting to have that. We don't want to accept it. We um, can feel kind of the the friction of our minds saying, no, you know, this can't be happening. Um, the fear that arises, well, if this is the new normal now, well, then what's going to happen next year? Or what's going to happen, you know... In a couple of months, will we have more fires? Will it be my house? And so we can see where the mind goes. And it's not, um, you know, it's not out of the the realm of possibility. So it seems like a good use of our mind to worry about these things and to, to think it out and to get maybe wrapped up in it. Um, and all of this is, is related to the fact that things change. That the things that we hold dear and true, that they're going to be like this from here on out. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Some of us have lost, um, other things, you know. Um, many of us have experienced changes in, in tremendous ways within our lifetime no matter how old you are uh, i wonder even just as i'm saying it right now are you thinking of different things that have happened to you that this is relating to what are some of the things maybe you can just say them out loud how have you been affected yes death of a husband death of good friends i'll repeat it back into the into the mic Thank you. Death of parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The loss of our loved ones. Being physically attacked. So the change of sense of safety, physical safety.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm.
0: What else is coming to mind that you feel like sharing? These are big ones. Maybe there's some that you're thinking, well, it's not, it's not that kind of change, but it affected me anyway. That's what comes up. Democracy. Yeah. I think we've all been feeling, <laughs> feeling the shakiness of, of that lately for a while lately yeah Mm -hmm. a lot of uncertainty loss of certain uh, parts of the world or certain species Mm -hmm. yeah disabilities yeah yeah There's many. These are a lot of, this is all loss. There's there's a thread that's going through all of these that you're naming of loss, that loss and change, those two. You know, maybe, maybe it's obvious, but maybe we haven't thought about it that much, that those two, they go together. Loss and gain. Change. Yes, that's right. There's your gain. You got your loss and your gain right there. Yeah, toothache that stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, body that might be ill and then heals. Right.
2: Mm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, witnessing the changes uh, going of our children as they get older, the good and the bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Friends moving away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, not trying to bum you all out. <laughs> But we, but to be able to, um, just name as a community that, um, there are these types of changes that aren't, we weren't looking for. We're not necessarily welcoming. We're not, um, expecting some of these. Um, maybe we ha- expected it, but way in the future. You know, it's not going to happen tomorrow and then there it is and then again there's the the help happy welcoming changes maybe we should name some of those <laughs> <Change>. babies <laughs> yeah babies big change big change yeah anything else retirement uh-huh yeah but that's a big change yeah it's a big change Changing of seasons, uh-huh, the changing of seasons. The last tuition payment, (laughs) yay, (laughs) yeah, that's big. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the child moving back home, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Maybe it's easier to think of the, the more, uh, unwelcomed ones. The newest version of software. The newest version of software. Our software updates. Everything can work better. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Maybe our minds are, and they say this, with the current neuroscience that we, we tend to, uh, focus on kind of the more, the negative or the, these unwelcomed moments in, in life. And we miss the, we might miss some of these more positive changes or even miss them as change. You know, we just see them as something new, but maybe not as change. And miss then uh, that familiar um, uh, adjustment period that comes with it. Um, so anyway, we don't have to go much further into that, um, but just thought it might be helpful to, to name some of these, to remind ourselves of, of what this is, what we're talking about. You know, in the Buddhist practice, um, so much of what we're doing is practicing with change, is noticing the constant flux of life. And, and these are big moments in life that we just named, whether they were welcomed or unwelcomed. But um, uh, in, in practice, we actually get to slow it down, bring it into just what seems like the most ordinary thing, like breathing, just being here, being in meditation, in a meditation hall. Nothing else actually going on. Of course, the mind might be, there might be tons of stuff going on in the mind, but in reality, in relative reality right here, all we're doing is sitting and breathing together. It's so mundane. And yet, what's so incredible about this practice is as we slow down and as we Tune in and lean in with our attention to what's it like to just be human in this moment. What we're really attuning to is this truth of change, that it's constantly changing. Each breath is new. It's a new moment. Each, uh, part of the breath, you know, that beginning of the in-breath and then the fullness of the in-breath and then the end of the in-breath, and then there's a pause, and there's the beginning of the out-breath, and the fullness of the out-breath, and then the end of the out-breath, and then a pause, and then it goes again. But this next breath is not like the one before it. You know, its length is different. Its depth is different. Maybe where we're breathing is different. The sensations change. As we attune to this, we start to deconstruct what we think of as just this solid mass of time or mass of being into something that's actually very fast and hard to catch, we start to attune to this constant change that's happening within us, each of us, in every millisecond of our life. And that's important. It's important for many different reasons. One of the reasons is that it's a training field, it's a training ground for our minds and our hearts to be more prepared, to have more capacity, to have a better understanding um, for these bigger moments of change that happen with us um, that are inevitable because we are human beings, because we are alive. Um, there's different ways to tune into this. Um, the Buddha, he, there's tons of teachings, um, recorded teachings of the Buddha. Interestingly, and some of you know this, uh, not many of them have much to do with how to actually practice. Like, like the actual practice instructions, the, the actual instructions. Very few teachings out of all these books of teachings that have been collected, very few with specific instructions on how to practice mindfulness. That seems really wild <laughs> when you think about it, because here we are uh, spending a lot of time practicing. The instructions weren't that as focused on that part. But he did offer some really great instructions on practice. So there are a few suttas where there's some, some really specific instructions on how to practice. And, um, one of them is called the Satipatthana. Um, this is sometimes translated into the, the four foundations of mindfulness so when we're talking about mindfulness, which mindfulness, of course, now is this word that's used in many different fields. It's being taught by everyone and their mother. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> but where is it coming from? Where are all these different styles and methods and um, uh, different instructors? Where Where is this all coming from? And so we can trace it back to this really incredible teaching, the satipatthana, that comes in these four parts, these four foundational um, ways of, of directing the mind, directing our mindfulness to, to cultivate our mindfulness. And the first out of the four is on the body. And that first foundation, actually, the instruction is is pretty extensive. Uh, he spent um, a good amount of time deconstructing all these different ways we can deconstruct the experience of the body. It wasn't just pay attention to your breath, although he did spend a good amount of time there. But it was even more than that. I find it interesting that the first foundation out of these four is the body. This is almost like the foundation of the foundations, that we start here in the body, that when we come and we sit, we first start with our posture, and we always start with the body. The body is essential. It's not to become over-identified with it, but rather to see it as what it is to know it and to use it as a tool for awakening. We get, I think, um I think this is kind of a, a general um uh comment of, of um of society that we are right now really obsessed with our thinking mind, our ability to cognize and um To think things out, to be clever. Uh, We, we mistake cleverness with wisdom. There's a lot of value around the mind and the thinking mind, figuring it out, having thoughts and ideas. It's not that those aren't valuable things. And, you know, in Buddhism, it's not like we're throwing that out. That's actually, it's in there. It's in the four foundations. But, The body has a particular wisdom. It's a particular doorway that we all know when we're tuned into it. It's our body. I mean, we know these bodies in some way, but we may not be heavily attuned to them because we haven't been necessarily trained in that way. Some of you may be very your body, people. Some people just are, or you have had that upbringing. You know, you have that background where that's where you go immediately, and that is um, maybe how you you understand the world is through uh, more through the body than through thoughts and ideas. Um, but a large number of us don't and maybe don't even think about going to the body for wisdom. We go, we think, and we even think of it as being up here, that our thoughts are up here. Um, we don't consider that actually there's a whole nervous system, there's a whole uh, world of of knowledge uh, through this whole body. But in Buddhism this is recognized and deeply valued. That the body is a place to go and, and perhaps a place to go first, to fully understand and to immerse our, ourselves, um, so that we, we know it, uh, from every angle. So when we sit and we, um, we adjust, we, we know our posture, We maybe take a few breaths, bring our attention down into the body, feel our body sitting here, grounding into the body. What we're doing is kind of retraining our mind to settle here. When we're experiencing really intense change or uh, when things are happening really fast in our life, or when we're anticipating the change and we're needing to make some kind of decision on what to do next and we're feeling um, unsettled in some way. How many of you notice the patterning is to go right up here and to figure it out? I've got to figure this out. I've got to find the way. We can get really lost in that. It can sometimes, you know, some of us have a mind where we can really map things out. Um, most people I've met, though, uh, we just kind of get stuck in there when in these circumstances where there isn't actually an answer for us to come to because we don't know what's going to happen next. You know, there's so much unknown in these moments of change. We can run through all the scenarios and run through them a thousand times, but we still don't actually know what's going to happen next. And so we get so stuck up here, we lose track of the the rest of us. How many of you remember to shift back into the body that actually in those moments what might be needed is a feeling of solidity of the body, feeling the heaviness of the body just in the moment of wherever it is, just right there, here I am. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's really going on right now. But here I am in all of this. The body has the wisdom to help bring ease into what is uneaseful. It has the knowledge, the body has the knowledge of how to um, find ground when it feels groundless. It gives us incredible insight into the nature of change. Um, just noticing the sensations, the coming and going of sensations, of things going through the senses, like the sound coming through our ears and it's just being in constant flux. The body allows us to learn more how to um, relax, rest in constant motion, in uncertainty. When we're sitting here and we're practicing, that's a big part of what we're actually doing, is learning how to do that. It doesn't mean that when big things happen that we aren't caught off guard or we get confused. It's it's not that we're becoming some I don't know. I mean, as you as you cultivate and if you can come to the end of this path, I imagine you are not affected so much or affected at all by the nature of change. But until that point, you know, we'll still experience that friction of change. But perhaps we're able to experience it with more knowledge base, with more capacity of, okay, this is what's happening. I know this territory. I know that this is, this is how life works. We lose someone dear to us, and it's shocking, it's, it's devastating. But we know how to be with that devastation. We know how to be with the waves of sorrow that come through. We know that even if we're not sure if we're doing it right, that we can be with that doubt. And we know that that, too, will change with time. All of this comes back to the simplicity of being with this body. This is the kind of wisdom that the body has available to us. So, I'd like us to explore this. I'd like you to explore this um, more uh, individually to see how this is um, how this relates to you particularly. Um, the way we'll do this is to uh, just turn towards. Somebody near you and maybe groups of two or three. Um, if you don't want to, um, participate in this part, that's fine too. You can, um, do this yourself and just close your eyes and, and, um, uh, we'll know what you're doing. <laughs> but I'd like you to have some time to, to talk with, um, your, your partner, your, your group, um, Say out loud what what type of wisdom have you tapped into in the past in the body? What what has been available to you through the practice, or maybe not through the practice? Maybe you just kind of stumbled upon it, or maybe there was a different modality that you were using that helped you um, come in contact with the wisdom that the body um, has and holds. So. The opportunity here is not just to share, but to listen, to be able to hear someone else's experience too. Um, so often we're doing this so silently and individually, like we're on our own little island and um, the truth is that we're all here in this human experience and can learn a lot from each other. So go ahead and turn towards somebody near you. Okay, maybe we can hear from a few of you. And talking into the mic isn't everybody's favorite thing to do, but it does help. There are people here who need that to be able to hear clearly, and then also we record these for Dharma Seeds, so um, it helps people who are listening to feel more connected. Uh, So what came up? What are the wisdoms?
2: through the body. Hello, my name is Tony. One thing that came up for me in, in our group was that one of the important things about the topic is that it's not about control. It's about looking at how is it right now. And that if you think by doing this you're going to gain control and be driving in the direction you want to drive, then you're going to suffer even more. Yeah. But just opening to how things are is a very different process,
0: yeah.
2: and it's it's a it's a much more humbling process, really. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a counterintuitive uh, process sometimes too. It's
2: paradoxical,
0: yeah of course, everything in us wants to have that control, and there's, of course, something in us that also believes that we have some kind of level of control that can hold back all this type of change. Um,
1: thanks for being here tonight. Um, the topic is an amazing one. Uh, I've never been able to understand the concept of taking refuge in the body. I I exercise a lot and I feel some connection to um, the physicality when I'm swimming or when I'm bicycling. And I'm trying to find ways when I'm bicycling to feel the rest of my body, not just the legs on the pedals, but the... <clears throat> Being able to relax part of your body that you're not physically you know, stressing at that time, and same with with driving. You're all, all you have is two hands on the wheel and a and a foot on a pedal, but the rest of you, there's a large part of you that can be still and relaxed and centered, even though you have your peripheral view of what's going on, mm-hmm. but I would like to to learn how to take refuge in the body. That that expression, as if instead of going to the head, I can. Anyway, I'm I'm working on that, and yeah. I appreciate the information. Yeah. Thank, you.
0: Thank you. And it it might be that you know the body is constantly changing too, so it's not. It might not be a place that you can really fully take refuge in all the time, but. That, the truth of change, perhaps that's something that there can be some refuge in that, that Dharma, that truth of, of, you know, finding ease within that and letting the body being, be the, um, the vessel that, that is holding all of that information or, or that experience. Um, and sometimes we do, take refuge in the body sometimes it's a really good place to be <laughs> it feels good it feels it's a place we can just relax um, but it's not always that way so I want to bring that in that you know because the body is also in such you know it's part of that nature of change as sometimes when we go there what we're experiencing is not something that we may be able to take refuge in in itself but that that knowledge of change and and yeah, flux I, I, somehow i
1: think the top heavy nature of our being and uh, where our mind just seems like it takes over and how we can become have two parts of ourselves that's not just go they go straight to the mind yeah anyway thanks
0: yeah, the mind is a is a an incredible thing too. Um but the two are very connected. You know, if you're driving and you're thinking about something, you you know, and your body's getting you there, but you're really preoccupied with whatever it is that you're thinking about. Maybe it's about whatever you're going to. You've got some big meeting or um you know, you're going to some a family event that's doomed to be explosive and you're on your way and you'll, you can experience just the, the physicality of that mind state. You know, the mind and the body are so connected that even though all that thinking is going on in the mind and it's not, it's just thoughts. There's, there's nothing physical about a thought in that way, the actual thought. There's nothing physical about a thought. But the body makes it, it turns it into something actually quite physical, doesn't So even though you might be thinking about something that hasn't happened yet or happened way in the past, you know, it might be something completely imaginatory. Tori, is that a word? <laughs> Whatever. Imaginary, thank you. It might be... Um, yeah, it might be just a whole string of, of worry, but it's not actually happening in that moment. Maybe in that moment you're just having a really nice drive. Um, maybe not in, in, um, you know, Bay Area freeways, but <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> somewhere where there isn't traffic and it could be really beautiful and everything's fine. You're fine. Otherwise, but the body is totally wrapped up in those mind states so you get there and you're you're you know let go of the wheel and get out of the car and your shoulders are up to your ears and um you know your head hurts and um yeah it's it's kind of um when we can see it when we're conscious of these habits and and these connect i know that that phrase mind-body connection it's probably overused but it's true um and if you know how to access the mind through the body clue into what's going on in the mind not through all your thoughts but actually through your somatic experience of the mind you know oh i'm just kind of i don't know what's going on with me today you go to the body the body knows what's going on with you Ooh, I'm all I'm tight, I'm tense, or um I don't feel really good or I'm hungry. I need to eat something or you know, I'm really exhausted. The body is going to give you all that information. The mind's going to go into a whole thing about it, and maybe stories and things completely unrelated. But the body is going to be your source of, of really much more accurate information a lot of the time. I find I bet you find that too, when you really tune in, that that's true. And so that, that's not necessarily related to change, but it's just, it's fascinating. Just the wisdom of the body. All that, all that is here. Yeah.
1: I agree. I mean, I think that there is, you know, not a me that is separate from my body you know mm-hmm. well i mean the mind is part of the body actually i mean mm-hmm. so without the body there is no mind so i mean yeah i don't think there's a me that's separate from my body and so i've always had a problem with the idea of reincarnation because mm-hmm. what is there to be reincarnated i mean once i'm dead and my body's gone there is no me anymore so what is there to be reincarnated mm-hmm. i mean do you have any thoughts on that subject <laughs>
0: Yeah, I... I <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's a great question. I think mean, it's a great question. You know, these are um, ideas that um, I find complicated myself uh, as a Dharma teacher. Um, and it does start to uh, have us question, you know, what, what is it that actually is reincarnated? The body obviously doesn't come with us, right? No matter what your belief system, really, I, I think, <laughs> as far as I know, your body, your physical body stays here. And so, you know, I think the, the idea that maybe something, something moves on, um, is kind of fascinating, um, you know whether that's some level of of consciousness if, as far as my understanding is that that that's more similar to what is taught in buddhism and it depends on what your your lineage is in buddhism on how you're addressing um, that particular question as, as far as what goes what what is reincarnated but i think um Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I think it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about in terms of what, what happens when we die. What is it that is there? And maybe, maybe there's no buying into it, um, for you. And that's, I think that's, well, I guess how would we, it's, I guess it comes back to just a relative reality of here you are. It's a mind, your mind, that's perhaps cognizing all of that and making sense of it all, and that consciousness is, um, maybe it's yours, maybe it's not. Maybe there's consciousness around us uh, all the time. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't belong to us in the way that we think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we could go around in circles. (laughs) But I think, um, I'm gonna leave it there for now. And, um, we can explore that question together, I guess. Um, yeah. And actually, what might be interesting is to, um, explore it with some texts so that we can, uh, refer back. If we're really, if you're really interested in what is it that is being taught in Buddhism around this particular theme, um, as opposed to just the overall experience of, of, um, being here. Um, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Any, any other wisdoms coming from the body?
2: So, we had a very interesting little conversation with our group, but, um, talking about refuge in the Dharma. I often like to think of taking refuge in the other translation of the word Dharma in phenomena. Uh-huh. I just take refuge in phenomena. You know, it's like, ah, oh, all this phenomena is around me. Mm. Um, and I'm part of it. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm safe here just because it's, it's the world. Anyway. That's yeah. not really our group. <laughs> but our group, um, one of the things that we found that was consistent with all of us, I guess, is that um, oh, it, different of the three of us, different ways. When we get stressed, maybe stop breathing <laughs> or stop breathing. I mean, we don't stop breathing, but stop breathing easily and deeply and, right. and slowly and relaxedly. And that slowing down the breath and taking you know, taking a breath, deepening the breath, slowing it. I think for all of us was one of the things that we had discovered helps us to um, perhaps move out from being in the in the complete control of the fight or flight. Yeah. And that by listening to the body, sometimes perhaps there can be. Um, a wisdom that the body is telling us oh there's something scary here or there's something uh, threatening here or there's something novel or uncertain or whatever here and if we listen to that message then the body's able to relax and say okay the message got through let's move on and let the mind go ahead and process yeah Um, what the situation is
0: yeah you're really speaking i think more to the the nervous well it's the body the nervous system of the body and um how the breath is very much connected to the nervous system we can learn a lot about how how we are regulated by how we're breathing if we're breathing way up here that's good information you know if we're able to take Fuller, deeper breaths. That's also good information of just um, how regulated we are, and that we can, we do have some ability to to control that or to help that to ease that.
2: Yeah, actually, one of the things that maybe both of the other people in the group said, I think, was somehow that you know we have an ability to um, control the breath a little bit uh-huh. that then influences the body, and we have the ability to control the uh, the mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. and that influences the body sort of circularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, Control maybe is overstates, but we have an ability to influence <laughs> yeah. what we think, and we have the ability to influence what we do with our body, and they influence each other back and forth.
0: Well, the more tuned in we are, and the more that our mind is actually um, trained, the more our attention is trained in, in these different ways, the more malleable the mind becomes. And when the mind is more malleable, there's, yeah, maybe can, I don't know if can control, I don't know, it might be too strong. It might not in certain circumstances where you're really able to, um, focus the mind and change its tone and, um, the attitude in the mind a lot easier. Um, and that has more to do with just that amount of, the amount of training that you have. Um, how concentrated is the mind? Um, so that then, of course, will have an influence on the body. And then that vice versa of, you know, having, um, that knowledge of how to work with the nervous system and work with the relaxation of the body and how that then has an effect on the mind. So yeah, the two go together. Um, but it all has to do with familiarity, it has to do with, um, the practice of actually cultivating yourself in these ways so that you're able to have that ability. Um, most people don't just have it naturally. M- most people, we have to actually train ourselves in these different ways to be able to have that kind of control. Uh, yeah. Okay. So something that I didn't, um, I failed to mention, was to go a little bit further into this particular sutta. So I just want to give you the, the the framework of it a little bit in case you're curious about it and you want to explore it. So again, this is the Satipatthana Sutta, um, and uh, this particular foundation um, goes into. Uh, I mentioned it starts. With just how to, how to sit, where, location and how to sit. Location is, um, in some kind of nature setting, um, uh, you know, we're not in nature here, but it brings in the qualities of nature, perhaps being in a monastery, being in a place where we know this is a place to practice, um, bringing attention to the breath, but doing so in, not a passive way, it's so connected. Our mind is so connected with the movement of the breath, knowing how long, how short it is, when it starts, when it stops, really attuning to the changes of of the breath. Um, noticing uh, as it, um, one way it's put, is as it arises, so like this, this coming into being in this moment, and then watching it as it passes away, this cessation of experience and relating that back to um, this understanding of change. Uh, it goes into the postures that we we often think of meditation done on the cushion or in the chair in the seated posture, but actually um, it's really important, of course, to notice the body in all of its postures. So the four classical are sitting, standing, walking, laying down, um, but it goes on even further into activity, all the different activities that you might do within a day. Um, there's specific ones in here that um, I think relate more to um, uh, a monastic life. But even still, you can you can pull uh, pieces from it that I think the point is that we're bringing awareness into the body and noticing the movement of the body uh, the experience of the posture in whatever it is that we're doing. It goes into the elements of the body. Experiencing um, the body not just in uh, the physical form that we uh, most typically um, associate with it, but actually thinking of or experiencing, you know, the heaviness of the body, the solidity of the body, this earth element of the body. Or um the movement and um of the body and in, in the breath, um the the liquid in the body through um um like the in the eyes or in the mouth um or even just feeling into um the water that is within the body, all of that um uh, uh liquid that's moving through the body, the blood in the body, heat and cold temperature. All these different elements, um, classical elements in the body. So it's just to break down our sense of what it is. Um, the 32 parts of the body where it gets into all the different organs and, and bits and pieces, um, from, you know, the muscles of your body, the bones to the sinews, um, the bile, um, you know, all, it just, it gets, it's, uh, it's pretty specific going through all these different pieces instead of seeing this as one big massive body, but instead each of these, uh, parts, these 32 parts as their own body and starts to break up this sense of, of who you are. Uh, what else? It goes into, um, c- cemetery practice. Um, so practicing with the dead, actually how to, practice contemplation and being with the decay of the body um, from death um, through all these different stages of decay and what that does to our perspective of, of the body. Um, all the while uh, with a refrain of noticing the coming and going, the changing nature of all of these states. It's constantly changing. So this is just one of the, the four foundations, um, but I just find it fascinating. I hope that you're fascinated and curious about it and that you'll go home and Google it or go to your texts and look it up and, um, and check it out because there's a lot of richness to this um, particular teaching and um, certainly relevant to all of us because we are all experiencing um, all this change. We're experiencing um, a lot that we're trying to attune to, and this can be incredibly helpful, this can be a way to do that. So, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for your questions, whether I was able to answer them well or not. And I hope that this was helpful in some way. We'll dedicate the merit of the evening. Dedicate the merit to, to all beings everywhere, but there are a few who are on your mind. There's two cards that were written, but there might be people um, here who weren't able to write anything down, and so we'll just take a moment, and you can bring them to mind. And then I'll read these out loud. Um, this one says to Patricia, mom, and for Sarah, uh, this is with long-time brain cancer, Sarah's suffering from brain cancer. So we're holding Patricia and Sarah in our hearts and minds as well as anyone else that we brought to mind. May this be of benefit in some way to to them. You know, we come to this practice often for ourselves initially, but it never ends up being just for us. This practice has a way of unfolding and flowing out into um, our life in the way that we interact with our loved ones, with our coworkers, with our community, um, with the people that we see and really interact, and even the people, maybe we don't interact and notice them so well. It has a way of rippling out into the world in ways that we don't even understand. So in that spirit, may the goodness of um, what we've, cultivated here to get today, any wisdom and um, care that we've cultivated, may it be for all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy and find contentment in their lives. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings feel safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be free. May we all be free.